Hey guys, O'Reilly here. Episode 30 is upon us, and with it brings Telecomo, a new garage rock band from the members of Silken, The Acorn, Bondar, just about every other band in Ottawa. And some full disclosure, Adam, the frontman, was the person who booked my first show ever, back when I did sort of ambient nonsense, and we've kind of been friends ever since. Uh, he and Pat came by the studio, and the three of us talked to each other about what it's like being in a new band with vast amounts of experience and how to come to a decision to start a completely new project when you're already part of so many other bands that have broken through. And this, I think, led us down some interesting rabbit holes because this is a band who is bringing their considerable talent to bear on a well-worn genre and sort of deliberately putting their own twist on it. And it's intriguing because it's not the romanticized story of a few plunky upstarts sort of writing songs in their parents' garage. It's a story of, for all intents and purposes, the formation of an Ottawa supergroup. But unlike, say, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, or Squacket, or any other sort of progressive band that brought together a whole bunch of different members from different other progressive bands, uh, who often got bogged down in their own sort of stylistic pretension, the goal here is to be as accessible as possible to a wide range of listeners. And so we talked about this, and we discussed how to balance sort of the critical and commercial expectations of a project like this, um, and what it's like to be sort of known unknowns, and how, whether it's in social media, or music, or even just in life in general, all audiences really are looking for is authenticity. Uh, so, episode 30, Telecomo. I think you guys are going to like it. Oh, oh! Oh, and Stonehall Sessions first. Holy smokes. Somebody's screaming in the hallway. But also, we are premiering, we, meaning me, sitting alone in my apartment, I am premiering two new songs off the new LP. This is the first time we've done something like this. This is kind of cool. So you're going to hear, i bring it up just a second. You're going to hear two songs off the new LP that's coming out. Uh, first one's going to be Long Gone. And the second one, to end off the show, is going to be called Lipstick. So listen to those, enjoy them, you can't hear them anywhere else. Again, episode 30, Telecomo, prepare your ears. Is there something I've done wrong? Cause we're turning to 
what about Telecomo uh, is pushing you guys forward? What about it did you guys decide you wanted to do because it wasn't like anything that you guys were doing or wasn't like something that was being addressed in the scene? I think every one of us have a different answer to that. I could say for me, I have a long history in Ottawa of playing uh, electronic music, experimental music, electroacoustic, free improvised music, uh, jazz music. This is only an hour long podcast, so yeah. So, <laughs> but it's actually it's like all the same goddamn genre. <laughs> it's just like people being weird. But uh, the, what I lacked from that experience, and I'm not out of it. I still part, like I still perform and write. I was just, uh, but what is hard about that is conveying a very direct message um, because it's imp- improvised and instrumental, like that kind of music. Uh, you can um, project like a, like very kind of vague emotions or vague concepts, and people can like paint what they want on top of those sounds or whatever. But with with pop music, you're relaying a very specific thing. So, so the goal is different. Is like, can people relate to this? You know, it's it's more direct. So that that was the tricky thing, and that was something I was lacking. I was lacking that challenge. I could also say I wanted to play in something that was very minimal in setup. Mm-hmm. and in delivery it's a great and, release it's a great band where you can yeah. just get up there and 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 adam writes well all the songs at least the main parts and then as a band we come up with the other parts but even how as long as the songs take to write there's still songs where we can be in the middle of nowhere and if there's some show happening and they have like even if they have a kick and a snare i know i can make the songs work and we can get get up there and Adam can plug into one amp without any pedals, and Gary can do the same, and we can just get out there and give it our best and sweat our asses off and feel so good about it. And just because just these songs are just so great, innocent, and so fun to listen to, and such a release playing them as well. Like, there's such an impact to them, I find, at least, too, and they're catchy pop songs. So, yeah, a great release for us, and hopefully... I found it was the kind of thing I probably couldn't have done this 10 years ago mm. because I needed the experience to know, like, what what mm-hmm. fat do I need to cut, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, that's something I think about this band is um, is that anything kind of su- superfluous is taken away and it, it, it just cuts directly. So, and I really wanted a project that, that did that. Actually, that was exactly my next question was like is this something that you could have done at a certain point or is this something that requires sort of knowledge of you guys have performed in front of people hundreds of times knowing how crowds react to different things emotions even just like lyric schemes things like that are those all things that came to bear in some way in the writing of telecomo songs yeah i would personally say that for me it was calculated just from experience of playing other genres and then also playing in in rock and roll and, and in bands and in uh, bands that like backing up singers and things like that and having sung in other bands before myself too uh, but this this was it was calculated like the lyrics like making sure the lyrics were a certain way and, and that they were very direct and honest and there was a sincerity to them wanting to play wanting to have some music or a band that could make people dance so then so there you know there's that was calculated like making sure everything was rhythmic and those kind of things i don't know yeah. i don't know about <laughs> yeah no it's yeah. drumming it was calculated i definitely knew i wanted everything i don't want to say simplified but i only it's the only band i've ever played in where i only have for symbol wise i only have one hi-hat one crash no other crashes just want it to be, I don't know, just out there, calculated, so everyone can just, you know, can hear it 
unfiltered, no filter, just like, this is what it is. This is a loud part. This is the part where you go nuts. This is the part where you just, like, dance. Yeah. Like, this is a loud part. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Also, the, like, the music, the music's difficult in its writing and how, like, streamlined it is and, like... Uh, si- like simple it is because that that is difficult to it do. Is, yeah, but it's written in a way that it's easy enough for us to play it. Uh, so we can just give as much energy as possible, and I think that is something that like people really relate to live. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not we're not fucking around. When we're on stage. We're having a really we're we're having <laughs> we are fucking around. So we're having a really good time. Yeah. you know, we're like this isn't. It's supposed to yeah. It's supposed to be a good time. It's supposed to be something for the community. It's supposed to be something that people can enjoy. Of all ages, I've always wanted to, to do that, to do something that, like, boomers and teenagers could look like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So if I played it for my uncles, they'd be like, hi, uh, hi, hi, that's, that's cool, that's cool. And then if you play it for the kids, yeah, they might share it <laughs> on their on their Snapchats. There's yeah. just some sort of raw energy to it, I guess. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I guess, yeah, that's the goal, though. That was, like, part of the modus operandi. Yeah. Because you guys have both come from sort of more introspective bands, ones that sort mm-hmm. of demand demand attention to listen to to really appreciate. And how does that change up your writing process or just your playing when what you're going from is sort of something where, you know, people are probably coming out to see these very special songs that probably mean something very specific to them mm-hmm. in something like The Acorn Silk and Loman, even if it's just, hey, this is the last time I got high on MDMA. Yeah. Edit point. Um, or things like that. Yeah. So things that just sort of, because I feel like pop is such a, it's always a moving target and it's so small all the time. Like, how do you start stripping away things that are like extraneous, I don't know, ambient layers or like, we don't really need piano, like the uh, piano mm-hmm. intro, things like that. How do you start getting yeah. into just a raw energy like that? I well, I don't know how where you started, but I started... Yeah. My Ottawa music career started in the raw energy. Like my, the first yeah. band I ever was in was in, in like a skate punk band. So I haven't done that in a really long time. So that's where I started from. And then that's when I started joining other bands where there was more emotions put into it. Not that like, well, let's face it. Skate punk is just like, you know, you want to <laughs> skate and you want to have fun, party, drink and be as loud as possible. Yeah. So and then I went to other, you know, emotional very like music or whatever so coming back to this i with it's nice to add like definitely gave me more experience to add more elements to like this rawness to it it's not just like oh i'm just gonna go dip back into like just like i'm going to just hit the symbol the crash for like two minutes long and make the song as loud as possible i can add elements of from what i learned from the experiences from other bands and bring it to this but still add just like the rawness to it and the the rock or whatever you want to call it yeah i i found uh for me well first off if i write any music it's because i want to hear that music and it's like mm. and it comes from like maybe about half a year or a year of like trying to look for it and like ah it's not it's not out there so i'm gonna have to do this and that's me for me probably there's someone who's listening to is like well i know a band who sounds exactly like you fucking guys so <laughs> and i just don't know who they are so that's why i we you know i wrote these tunes and we made this record but um I think, like, as far as well, if you want to talk about, like, you know, like the gradients of emotions that can go into a tune, I think this this band really vibes off like a juxtaposition. So the tunes have, like, the lyrics. I think are quite um, just the exposed. fact that you call them tunes instead of songs. I mean, speaks to the raw energy of it. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> like, like. Well, there, there is, there's like. Um, I forget what the word I just used, but I think it was, there, there was something like there's an exposed element to these 
songs. Uh, hopefully, they come across sincere. Um, now, if we also played them in a way that, like, if if I use the word like cliched, which also you know, like like a, and I don't know what those sounds are, are but you put it really well with it, like you know, pops a moving target. If we juxtapose it with like playing fast and hard, but not too fast, not but you know, you know what I mean. Like if we if we juxtapose that with playing with a certain energy, uh, I think it can hit a balance, and I think that's what makes like a song accessible to a wide range of people, as opposed to niche music. Yeah, yeah. Now, doing that, and I don't think this is something that a lot of people realize, but like doing things that will sort of appeal to a wide range. Of people like doing pop music mm-hmm. requires just a critical eye, maybe not in the same ways that sort of more introspective music uh, would do. I, I, I feel bad trying to juxtapose introspective and pop, uh, I, like uh, pop music and sort of more niche music. Yeah. You know, sort of garage rock can be something that could be done in a day. What sort of critical element or what sort of critical eye do you apply to everything that you're doing in this band that people might not be aware of that people because uh, you you did the promo ep you guys have the we got a full length record coming stone hall sessions bombshell uh, <laughs> <laughs> um take us sort of how you edit in a, in a band where all the elements are so like visceral they're so there they're so present in every track how do you start to edit that back or edit not even maybe edit that back but edit to suit both a critical eye and a in a wider audience yeah i can say uh is this a sports anthem song yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your bass is like the next thing we have to write a sports anthem yeah. so i'm like trying to work that out somehow but what were uh at least for me what i can say was i asked two guys to be in a band with me who um, not because they're good musicians, but I also uh, am fond of their like musical criticism and just their their, their aesthetics and, and music. So what? So how do I how do I approach that? Is what I do is I write a shit ton. I I, I can I can write really quickly, and I think that's because I can just let myself go and do it because I can then be very critical on myself and like so if I write 30 tunes I can easily myself cut 10 tunes out of them and then I bring those 20 tunes to these guys and I'd be like here's some tunes that that I've got which ones speak to you the most and then it would turn out there's 10 out of those 20 that really speak to them okay fuck those other 10 you know and I <laughs> and I don't care because I'm not uh, I'm not really like um, precious about about it because they're 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 just Melodies, I, for me, melodies and ideas, like it's like they, they come in and they and they they come out. They're 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 not they're never going to stop. It's whether you're just like willing to be open to hearing them, right? That's as hippie as I get. Yeah. But <laughs> but I, I guess that's uh, we all receive I hope that, messages from the great muse. That's right. So yeah, record them. Yeah, I hope I hope that maybe that answers your question. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's some songs that yeah. like we. Have just we've played during sets and we mm. just cut out, but they just they've just kind of never we won't like spoken of again. Yeah, and I I guess that's, that's our right. way of being like <laughs> fuck those ten songs more or less. Yeah, yeah, and it's not that they're not good songs. It's like I guess yeah they ne- they didn't make the next set or whatever for whatever reason. What is this? Yeah, yeah. I th- I think I'll um if without getting too like um technical music nerdy, there are certain things that allow for um a wide range of people with different musical backgrounds and ages to get into it. And I think it's like in your choice of chords, in your choice of progression, in your choice of timing, in your emphasis on rhythm. And then with your words. So like, 
I'm not I'm not I'm not a veteran lyricist, but I but I do know that there is a difference between like writing really uh vague sort of impressionistic lyrics to sort of allow someone to to like you know interpret it their own way which does which is great but it doesn't really allow itself to pop music if you listen to the history of pop music that's not really what pop music is pop music is like very direct on what, yeah. what it wants to say mm-hmm. yeah like that's why you have to turn off the radio when you've had a breakup because it's so like yeah, every for, song is totally. a lot like that it's either i'm super in love or i just got broken up with is for sure are like the big themes in music mm-hmm. in oh, pop music yeah totally and it's hard to escape that you know and there there are other elements of like there are other subjects that you can write about definitely and i and i do my best to like write as much as possible in that but um but you can see like what people re- people relate to that a lot i think for musicians and when they talk to musicians and when they work with musicians and like just all their friends are musicians you constantly are looking for like the next the next 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 thing but a lot of people even though they're music fans they're not living with music 24/7 like a like a musician is mm-hmm. and uh it, it's good to consider that in mind so like why is that person coming to music it's because they want you know they want they want to like feel a reinforcement of of a feeling they felt maybe 3 years ago that mm-hmm. they never like you know fully worked out or they you know they thought they were the only one who felt that way Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying anything unique or profound here, <laughs> you know, like that we all know this. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very good, and and, and it it sort of speaks to this idea. Like, um, I'd estimate like probably eighty percent of people are all getting their music from sort of one source, and that's you know the radio. And why? Is, and so the radio has sort of tailored itself around, even though this is a podcast and radio is dead to us forever and ever. Yeah, the Swift itself. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. I thought so. I, think it's I was not, like, should I say it? It's not I'll too soon. It. No, it's not too soon. <laughs> Pat Johnson coined that, just so you know. <laughs> we'll have to be careful of when we release this, because if it's too late, we'll have to cut that. But if it's yeah, just yeah, right yeah, on the yeah, money, yeah. yeah. yeah timelines. Use awesome. your artistic yeah. judgment. Yeah. I think she's under a little bit of heat right now. So yeah. We'll yeah. That, that's interesting. Like, trying to speak to a more base level that exists in all of us, as opposed to... I don't know, more of indie rock, like more sort of, I don't know, Alt-J or The National or mm-hmm. Mumford and Songs, which are just sort of like, hey, were you a white guy who went to college for political uh, science? <laughs> so was I. Let me play you a song. Uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you start writing? And I know um, that you guys, tons of experience behind you. Yeah. How do you start writing for something that's new that is going to speak to like sort of this very emotional, very raw yeah. element to people with it coming across as, you know, sincere? I th- well, I think because that- you, you guys do seem very like the way you talk is very yeah. calculated, it, is very sort of uh, world wary about things. Yeah. But how do you how do you get to that rawness? Well, the th- I think the truth for me is that you don't really know. So what you like what I said earlier in that um you just write and play the music you wish someone else was doing so that you can enjoy it mm. as a music fan. I think that is like a guaranteed success for you to to give it your all, your all in 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 music. And that's what I think people really relate to is like someone seeing someone on stage believe in themselves. You don't you don't fully know and I think knowing that gives like relieves you of that stress it gives you that freedom and so when we put this tape out the the first when we put our our first tape out promo ep 
promo EP. We didn't really we like didn't know if people like how how do you ever know? You can you can calculate certain things like well we want to make pop music okay let's strip away all the fat on it or let's uh let's uh you know let's make it minimal let's keep let's make it energetic. You can do all these things that would make it a lot of fun that you know have are tri tested and true, but you don't really fucking know. Yeah. If you've you don't know at all, and I still don't know. So, uh, and I don't care so much because if it didn't work out, that's just the way it goes. I've been in a shit ton of projects in my life that didn't work out, and I'm I'm still here making music. So I'm I personally won't stop. So it doesn't the Adam Riley yeah. ambient project. Yeah, so never so, got so, wheels. So it, so it, you know what I mean. So like that's that's not a fear I have about it. If it doesn't work out, you just keep going where i feel like that fear can sometimes handicap people and 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 they like they treat music as like a pr project and like the truth <laughs> is you just can't you like you said it, it's a moving so you just can't you don't fucking know especially in this day and age where you know you open up an ableton file mm-hmm. and you've got every goddamn sound ever created mm-hmm. available to you right now you guys have the experience the sort of wherewithal the know-how to do anything especially the three of you guys together how do you come across how do you say okay it's just gonna be like this very 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 specific point like this very very specific path how do, how do you start whittling it down to that or was it always just probably because there are so many options i think that was part of it being just like let's let's remove all those options and let's just show everyone us and just like let's not walk on stage with like <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with pedal boards or anything like that, but like we just want to be out there and and just you know this is what we're these are the songs we wrote. Uh, we love them this way, and we're gonna play them live this way, and they'll be recorded this way, and this is how you're gonna hear them because they're so much fun for us, and like yeah, and they're gonna be fun for you too if you're, yeah. you're into it, and like it's just like the rawness of it is true. <laughs> like you, you know what, me Pat, me Pat and Gary are all DJs. It's been house music, techno, hip hop, and and then we also are electronic musicians. And Gary's uh, an accomplished modular synthesist. Pat and I play in a band called Silken, which is a electronic band disco thing. And and I follow a drum machine the whole time. Yeah, and he follows a drum machine. And and I and I and I I have a history of playing a lot of electronic music, and uh, which is which is great. And we yeah, it's awesome. Like we all we all do that stuff. This was something we wanted to do something that was like the complete opposite. Um, is that why you didn't name it after a famous Canadian woman? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just completely different. Yeah, yeah. No, well, we just want like I think um, I think personally for me, I've I had <laughs> I've I've maxed out my amount of times that I can be on stage and a cable fucking died, and then the, <laughs> the show was was like. Radio silence for seven minutes. I, I've, I, I've maxed out my time where I have to wait for that person to fix <laughs> yeah. that cable before I can click in yeah. one, two, three, four. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and I've had, and, um, you know, like kudos to the people who can work the pedals and, and like they can do it seamlessly and it's just like part of the, you don't even know it's there. It's, that's, that's not really like my focus. That's not really my, my focus. Like, uh, and I just wanted something that was pr- like stripped for that reason just because of all i think our history but i can't yeah. tell you how many times i bought a fucking patch cord i'm done like, <laughs> so, so i just want i just wanted something where i had to deal with one of them so yeah and that's something that has come up a lot uh, in this podcast actually is people will say you know um 
I use effects because, you know, I sound sort of terrible with a guitar, but I give that same guitar to like a real guitarist and they just plug straight in. And I've seen it happen when I'm recording bands where it's just like one guy hands off an instrument to another person. He just sort of like quietly unplugs it from like nine different uh, pedals and puts it straight into the thing and just makes it sing. And just, you know, it is that emotion comes through immediately. Definitely, definitely. And that's why like... That's why the piano is still around. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why the drum kit hasn't really changed. There, there's something about just like how direct that is. Like you can't... By drum kit, you mean MPC, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, you can't fuck around with it. Like it's like people, you move your arm, you hit the snare, people see it. They hear what, they hear the result. And I wanted that, I wanted that, that, that too with the guitar. I'm not a guitar player, but I, but I wanted to get a guitar because, uh, of so much experience of playing with synths and keyboards and drum machines. And I still do it. I've got a gig this weekend where I'm going to be doing it. But I did want that element where people saw my hands. There was no second guessing on what I was doing up there, right? Which allows itself to that whole, like, goal of sincerity. And, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not saying when you do electronic music, it's not sincere at all. That's not what I'm saying. No. But I just didn't... I wanted, I wanted it to be as, like... Uh, Direct, like unmiss, unmystifying as possible. I think it was yeah. a, a Ray Spoon said it gives people an in into whatever you're doing. Is it it's so different now when you get up on stage and just play with Telecoma as it is when sort of like uh, an acorn song hits its apex, like or when sort of playing jazz? Like, is it is is there a different high with Telecomo than there is with sort of yeah. building, building, building in release with sort of like an acorn song or something like that, or with jazz where it's sort of well, um, and Pack can speak about this too with the acorn. The acorn, it's a different. Um, it, it might be a, a, it's sonically a different goal. I, uh, in, in my role in in the in the acorn is is a lot more subtle in touch in in the in the piano. It's like really what the role I play in there is um i'm sort of playing off rolf's uh words and lyrics so i'm sort of like an instrumental interpreter of what he's doing now that is night and day different <laughs> is that on your resume yeah no 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 <laughs> that, that was like i don't think that's why i don't think that's why uh, i was asked to be in the acorn but that was the role i mm-hmm. I, I gave myself in in when i'm done blabbering back and talk about like what he what the difference between that two but but that for obviously that is night and day difference with telecoma because in telecoma it's i'm singing a song i'm singing and um playing the guitar it's not subtle it's like it's very it's to 10 everything in this band is to 10 and that's part of the that's part of the the element of like i'm not i don't want to leave anything i don't want to leave you second guessing on what i'm trying to convey to you I don't want anything in this to be subtle. I want it to be as like straight as possible. And I think that comes from like, if we want to be like counter what we're experiencing in the, in, in the world, like, like there's just like with social media, so much coming at you all the time. Right. And it's nice every now and then when something pops up where it has a very personal touch <laughs> in social media, someone without a link, just wrote, just wrote something, just wrote one line. And you're like, yes, I've been feeling this way. No one has has you said this. Hopefully, hopefully that's what this. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Drums for Acorn is like very complimentary to like the lyrics and to like the the, the, the melodies and to like also to like like Ralph's guitar playing, but also like live. Like there's some experiment, like beautiful experiment, like experimentation where I'm complimenting like Adam's piano lines or the bass lines or whatever. 
Telecomo, there's definitely a lot of thought. But Telecomo, like, if I were to, like, think of a music video, it's a lot like, I, I, I think this is the way this video starts, but, like, uh, Basket Case by Green Day, where okay. he just plugs in the guitar, uh-huh. and it's just, like, pff, just goes right into it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm thinking about, like, the comparison comparison to Acorn to Telecomo, where yeah. we just, like, the, the songs are, be- like, beautifully written, and, like, the pop's there, but we just, like, even before, when we write, when we start writing the song, like, let's just, let's just, here's the idea, let's blow through the song, let's, like, get the song down, and then yeah. now let's start, like, you know, figuring out ideas, and it's still just, you know, a raw power behind it, just, like, plugging in an amp, and, like, let's just go out there and play. Jack White, years after the White Stripes broken mm-hmm. up, and he said, sort of, like, Meg White was, you know, essential to the band, and what a lot of people said was, oh, Meg White's drumming was what Meg White's drumming was, but I think what Jack White was trying to say was that Meg White was essential to the band because that gave us our palette. That gave us our sounds yeah, that yeah. we could work with. Yeah. This is how far we go yeah. out. We had to make something work yeah. within sort of these confines. And that's, you know, um, well, by the time this podcast airs, I will have listened to the uh, two songs off the new LP. Yeah. But at the moment, like I've listened to promo and it's that sort of thing. Like you guys sort of, this is our palette that we're working with. Right. This is how we're sort of making it our own. And that's, yeah. uh, it's got to be, how much thought did you put into like sort of being like, okay, we've got to be familiar, but we've got to be unique. Like that's got to be yeah. mm-hmm. crazy. I, I really do feel everybody is, re- everyone is unique. Yeah. So if you are being on true and honest with how, with who you are and what you like in music, that'll come across no problem. I really do think, of course it's referential, and I, but I think people avoiding references, uh, you're shooting yourself in the foot because it's impossible. I, I, I think it's. Can impossible. we go back for a second and yeah. remove the polka dot shorts answer of everyone is unique? Yeah. And let's get really into it. Like, come on, this is like how how are you guys putting your spin onto this? Like, is it fair it, enough? I think um, you know, like like I said earlier, I wanna, I want, I I asked these two guys to come in here, the three of us. I knew what the three of our with the three of our criticisms filter out uh, something uh, different. I did feel like, as far as the palette, it, it's not, it's like a try tested and true thing, just like doing drums, bass, guitar, but it was something that like, uh, I, I felt like I was wanting, like I didn't hear enough of. Uh, there's a lot of things that are processed, which is fine. But but I did, I thought that would be a little bit different. But then, Oh, that's 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 a tricky question. I think I How think a lot of it is. Yeah, I think what I think hopefully 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 the lyrics. Honest, yeah, the honesty. Yeah, I, hopefully the the lyrics. That's really what people. That's I what hope. drew me. I mean, yeah. I mean, when Adam started talking about this project, I was like, yeah, I'd love to be involved in this. And then he sent me the demos, and like the songs definitely, like the music definitely drew me in, but the lyrics themselves definitely drew me in, just because of the honesty. And and that's what I loved about them, along with like the musical hooks too, like the written guitar parts and like and how Adam just did everything on his computer, but everything just sounded like the drum beats and the bass lines I wrote on well, I played bass, but the drum even the drums I did using a computer program were just like well, I, re- well, I record I recorded them for the the demo on the bass, but uh, yeah, okay, yeah, now now you know what, uh, the honesty behind yeah. the songs and like again the rawness, but mo- like just they're on- the honest to god, just 
Just so honest. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> no, you, you helped me. And now, now I, can, I, can, I can answer this question better. There, is, there are certain honest. things. There are certain things like uh, for the baselines, the, the, the concepts I had for the baselines came from my experience of jazz music. And that was uh, in referencing harmony, but in a linear sense. So instead of like playing chords, you can lay out the notes that come from the from the harmony through like a through bass lines uh through like what when jazz music is called walking bass lines uh so for a lot of the drumming ideas sketches so pat writes his own drumming ideas but sort of the like pat i want this kind of or this kind of feel that 100 percent came from my experience of djing techno and house music um with an emphasis of, of the kick mm-hmm. and um expand on that a little more like how, what yeah. like how are you bringing that into like this sort of if i can say real quick yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, he's parts where, where i come in with ideas yeah. where there's no kick and it's just like i'll just like maybe this part should just be like ride or like just hi-hat or just like a rim hit and like adam will be like no there has to be kick this is the part where there's definitely kick you have to, like this is the part of the song where like people will be like wanting more and they don't get it and they want the snare, but there's no, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Man. Well, I, I read, I saw this study, and I, I don't know the exact numbers on it, and uh, accuse me of hyperbole for a bit. But uh, it was something. <laughs> I saw I, something on Facebook. Yeah. It was, uh, it, um, they did this study where they, like, played a bunch of music for uh, for both men and women, and asked them to describe, like, or asked them to mark down, like, what did they hear? And it was like, all men hear snare. <laughs> that was, uh, that was. <laughs> it was like, and and women all like like it was uh the like drums are like what people what people hear now the difference was that like a lot more women hear lyrics than than men do and when i this was years ago i heard this like five years ago when i saw this study and i was like why do like why do like all men describe that they hear uh drums and most women hear drums but like not a lot of men hear lyrics and like most women hear lyrics and it was like I don't know. Is it something about lyrics? Like right now, like are they are they too convoluted? Are they too are they too massed? Are they like are they not simple enough? Are they like not? Well, you know, like you know how politicians speak with like a the the, the grade level that they that they speak at <laughs> lower to be more appealing to a yeah. wider audience. Do pop music? Does pop music have to be at that too? Like do I like the the language I use with my with my partner or my or my friends or my employer or my parents do do i have to do i have to like bring it to a different place to kind of make it more appealing accessible so that is so that it kind of came down to uh word choice and word repetition not too much but not too much repetition you know what i mean and that i don't i don't know if i'm like um uh, intelligent enough to like explain because I'm not a writer and I'm not a lyricist. In no, no, no. But this sense. is but you know this what is I mean? very good. I, yeah, because yeah. this is sort of like I feel like anybody, especially with your amount of uh, experience, mm-hmm. anybody who's going to bring something to the table, mm-hmm. uh, release something, and be like, okay, I've been part of these sorts of bands. I'm going to do something like this. You guys have to know exactly what you're trying to do, and I'm just trying to get to the yeah. sort of center of that. Like, what was your you know twist, your little spit? that you're going to sort of put on this. And I think you're, you're really getting to it is like yeah. this sort of idea of I'm, you know, maybe I am looking at studies, maybe I am doing this sort of thing, but like lyrics need to be more universal in a way, I think is what you're trying to say. There's a, there's a song written by a local band called creep wave and Brittany, the singer writes a tune that's like, 
I wanna go, I wanna go outside, out in the sunshine. Who doesn't, who, ne- who, like, who, who never feels that way when, when May and June comes around, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's like, that's like an excellent pop. You guys put out promo EP. Yeah. Like, had you released it before you guys went down to New York to start recording the LP? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So we released it the, like, nine hours before we went to New York. So we, <laughs> we released it, like, May 12th. Yeah. Uh, at our, we did it at a show at Black Squirrel. And then uh, the following morning at 9 o'clock, we packed up the truck and drove to New York to record the, the full-length record. Which, like, you know, you only live for how long? Life is short. You only live yeah. for how long? <laughs> like, we had an opportunity to go to New York. We had with someone that we respected and loved what he did. So that's right. Yeah. The window was there. We're like, you know what? We just put out our, e- our EP, but why would it hurt to just go down right now and that's do it crazy. When, at the time when we still love these songs? Yeah. So was, you guys had the songs ready. Oh, yeah. You yeah. talked about like the 30 to 20 to 10. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was from the same writing session as exactly. the original. Okay. Exactly. And so, like, when you're prepping up for that, are you bringing different energy? Are you bringing like something? Are you like, I got to rewrite these songs? I have to like edit these to a point of perfection for there is a big difference between getting someone else to be like sort of that external producer mixer person than there is sort of uh the way that a lot of music uh that i love is made but sort of like the band camp age where it's sort of like you're the one and only person mixing mastering you're doing all the things was there a concern of like maybe we need to make sure these songs are ultra tight for this New York adventure? Well, I, I think because you're putting real money down on the table. Yeah, I think we were plus thirty percent. Like, we felt confident enough just from our our experience in other in other projects that we could execute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we felt like we needed was somebody. We wanted to go to somebody who we didn't have to make a single decision. Like he, like he'll just do. He'll make the decisions. Yeah, we but, respected and trusted him enough. That's that right. We knew that we'd go. We would nothing would go wrong. But and, and hopefully, and we're and we're, <laughs> and we're talking about sonically and vibe. Yeah. So what happened was I I contacted Jonathan Shank and sent him the demos that I sent that I that I shared with Pat and Gary, and he liked them enough to to want to record with us. So we went down. And so he knew kind of what we were coming with. That was the thing. And he heard, and we sent him the promo, the promo EP. So he knew mm-hmm. what we were going to sound like. And he didn't say anything compositionally because, like, we had done all that work. Yeah. We cut everything out that we needed to. We kept everything. We emphasized. We repeated things that were need to be repeated. He just focused more on um, performance. Mm-hmm. Tempos and whatnot. Perform- yeah, performance, tempos, vibes, making sure everything was was you know in the in the right spot, and that's a nuance on rock and roll that you can't teach or learn, or you you learn it naturally. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something interesting yeah. because uh, for a lot of people, you know, sort of that producer role, what you're doing these days is you're comping takes, you're like stitching a lot of different things together. Was that something that you guys did for the LP? Was he more concerned about sort of getting that live sort of raw sound, yeah, or was but, it? Yeah, I'll tell you. So we so we did to tape, and the tape wasn't for like the coolest aesthetic. It was to make sure that we brought our a game. We only had like X amount of minutes <laughs> to do it on, right? And so we get there, and uh, we did 
so here was the timeline. We like we played the set. We played the show in Ottawa. We got home like uh, some like two in the morning. Got up at like eight. Drew up to New York, which took us a while because we had traffic in New Jersey. Get to to New York City. We go out with our friend who was we were staying with. Go out till like five in the morning. Wake up. We got a recording session at 11. <laughs> and I think because we did that, and I think when we were at the studio, we were drunk still from the night before. It added like a level of um, desperation of like, fuck, we spent this money and plus a 30% of interest rate or of uh, conversion rate to do this. Yeah. Also, just the fact like, fuck, we're in Brooklyn. Like, this is amazing. And. Yeah. yeah, well, just that we were in Ottawa like the night before, yeah, and like we could have we could have gone to Montreal to do it, Toronto, Halifax, or stayed here at home. But we we're like we also just wanted to get out of the city. Yeah. I really do believe, and these guys as well, because we all talked about it, that like um, your environment can really shape mm-hmm. your sound and mm-hmm. and the music. Um, so if you go and record at in your bedroom, you're definitely going to get a specific tone. You go to a cottage, you're really going to get a specific tone. And if you go totally outside of your environment into another country, uh, another city with a stranger mm-hmm. that you've never met before, mm-hmm. you're going to get a different tone. Yeah. And we opted for that last one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it worked out great. And it worked out great. It yeah. was like it was like such a such a fantastic experience. So, uh, what's that like getting in? Well, I guess you guys were drunk at the time, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we were <laughs> a good drunk though, not yeah. like a hungover. Like on the on the on the Sunday before uh, I did like vocal takes, Jonathan just looks back and like, okay, there's a liquor store <laughs> down the street. You have to go get some bourbon before you do these you do these takes. Yeah, yeah. being out of your zone. What was the biggest change about that? I can I can say for me it just like it took away any percentage of comfort I would I have in my in my uh, musicality or artistry. So the thing with I I find the thing with Ottawa and Ottawa is like an incredible music city and it's got an excellent scene and all that. And I can only just say this because I've been in it for a while. And that is, and and I'll speak personally. I personally find that I can get really comfortable in the city. And I can find my own little kind of pocket and just run with it for a bit. Now, if you put me in a place that is way more competitive, like New York City, even though there's nobody else in the city listening to it except for Jonathan, who's recording us, Mm -hmm. just that we're in a different city and that that I, I, I don't have like my blankie of a city like, that, like <laughs> you know like people in ottawa know us they know mm. pat they know gary they and they know me but no one down there they don't know who we are so yeah. we had to really fucking bring it i felt to even just to justify driving eight hours there eight hours back yeah yeah, yeah. i guess what brought me out of my comfort zone was just the the live off the i haven't recorded live off the floor in years but it also benefited, I think, the recording in a beautiful way because, you know, we just played the night the show the night before. So <laughs> the way he just rolled the tape and we just did our set, the set, the exact set we did the night before, and we felt very comfortable doing that, and we did it well. I'll say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like it's the first time in years, years and years, I've done just live off the floor, and I guess I was, and also just being in a whole new city for sure. But like that was outside my comfort zone, where every other recording I've done had been very. I want to say calculated, but in a good way. Like everything was like 
there was ideas for songs, but kind of the songs were written more so in the studio than outside of the studio and live, right? Like, in this, we knew the songs, and we just went in there, and we were just like, bleh, here you go. <laughs> like, we know these songs, we're going to play them, like, with so much energy, and the tape's going to capture that, and this is what people are going to hear. And, yeah, it was just a very uh, naked naked way of, like, like being recorded, the one that I, yeah. I haven't done in a really, in a really long time. I, I want I want to say like we talked earlier about like uh, being very calculated on what we want to do, and um, I think part of that is to allow for that sort of uh, freedom mm-hmm. that can come in in the performance, so that you can do like live off the takes because it like that part has already been taken care of, so you can just go and the recording. The art of that is just all in vibe and energy yeah. and, and, in, and in performance. You're not, you're not worrying about notes anymore. Working with Jonathan was great in the sense where he just wasn't someone for hire. He was like, are you guys happy with that? That was never his first question. <laughs> like, where like you'd expect, like, okay. yeah, we're happy with that. And be like, okay, cool. Let's do the next one. It'd be like, yeah, y'all sounded fine, but uh, <laughs> uh, you might want to, like maybe the tempo should be a little slower for that one. So the you know what I mean? Like he, mm. he was... Yeah. He cared, which was, I'm not saying that's out, outside of my comfort zone because everyone I've worked with has always cared, but like that was just, I'm just adding, this was a very, also a beautiful way to work while doing it live off the floor. Now, I've talked to people who sort of, they bring in producer as almost a way to absolve fights. Like mm. this person, to, this person decides on something and then that is like everyone else is absolved of blame for anything because the producer is sort of like this outside. Yeah. I don't know, John Lockean sort of person who uh, <laughs> sort of comes in, writes the rules, and then leaves because the rules they've written are too beautiful. No, that wasn't John Locke. That was somebody else. Yeah, I'll edit in afterwards. Was that something that was the case for you guys? Like when, when he says it's too slow, it's too fast, as people who are coming with you know years and years of experience making music, was yeah. that how do you how do you take those? Criticisms. No, I think because I think because we've been doing it for a bit, uh, like you, we set up ourselves a situation where we have to check our ego at the door. Like we that that's that was the whole point of going uh, to drive down there to to work with Jonathan mm-hmm. was to check our egos at the door. All the fights happened in this rehearsal jam space before we went down. We did all the homework beforehand, and that when I when I was saying like you know cutting anything that was unnecessary that's what those that's what those like sort of band conflicts do mm-hmm. is sort of uh, someone being like you know what i don't think this really sounds like us and someone being like well how what sounds like us and then you know <laughs> <laughs> and then that and then that 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 process we took care of compositionally jonathan didn't i don't i hope he didn't feel the need to say mm-hmm. anything yeah because he, he mostly focused on our energy. Yeah, or did I, did I no, break no, out no, at some sure. point yeah, and like no, forget no, no. something no, no. in the session? That was yeah. accurate. It's good. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Forgetting about the time he told me that my singing was like, yeah. <laughs> One of the things that we talked about a little bit earlier, we touched on, is just you guys are all undertaking this as a brand new project. You're doing it sort of from scratch. And we talked about it earlier being, you know, you guys said, oh, shit, we need to get, let's let's try and get 75, you know, fans on Facebook or whatever, that's got to be disheartening in some way. Knowing that you guys have sort of a product that is going to be of, you know, of above average quality at the very least, if you guys phoned it in, it would be above average quality. If you guys really gave it at all, it's going to be like a stellar release 
if not in Ottawa, you know, regionally, yeah. if not regionally, you know, sort of in Canada, what's it like knowing that, okay, we've got this thing, now we have to fucking, we have to get it out to people somewhere, and there's so much noise. Yeah. That's got to be frustrating. Uh, no, it's it's kind of, I mean, it's going to be work, but it'll be fun, though. It's worth it, though, because, I mean, playing these songs, all the, like, playing these songs and playing shows is so much fun. Like, we, I, I remember... We we it's hard we talked I mean. to, we <laughs> talked about trying to bypass that whole yeah. <laughs> that whole all everything about that. We've talked about all like we've we, talked about all this before in the yeah. beginning. And like and we the, talked like can a, can we exist as a band without having to do the uh, the Facebook yeah the the Instagram the uh, Twitter like can we rely on just zining it? Can we rely on local? Can we rely on local paper? Can we rely on like mail outs and things like that? Turns out that's really hard to do yeah. <laughs> in this day and age because it, it can get like, although if you do that and like, that's your thing, like you're the band that has no social media, yeah, uh, you might get recognition for that, but on social media, you know, yeah. you know, so that's really tricky to try to do. So it's sort of, um, thankfully for Ottawa, there's a lot of people that do support. Yeah, Ottawa's really Ottawa's a really supportive yeah. city. So, but Matias and Showbox yeah. and Luke. And... But I but I don't I personally don't try to I don't try to invest my ego into that uh f- the, the following game, and and that those numbers reflect anything because I have there's dozens of bands that I love that I would spend X amount of money to see live, but mm. I don't follow them on Facebook because whatever. You know, like yeah. there's just so much noise. So someone doesn't do that with us too. I understand, but uh, if they do, it's obviously greatly appreciated. But that's not really the the, the focus, right? Like, um, it's tricky because you can vest like the amount of time it right takes to write a song, to perfect, to like, to you know, to craft it down to something that sounds like a real song. The amount of money it spend you spend to rehearse it in a rehearsal studio. And then the um, the effort to play them live and all that. The sad thing in this day and age is that all could go to waste because you're not focusing on your Facebook followers. <laughs> it's 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 pretty it's a pretty sad reality, and I don't know. I think people, everyone's everyone out there is trying to figure out a way around it or a way to conquer it. I hope I hope we just kind of can go with the tide, like I like, you know. <laughs> I don't want it, like I don't want to be a social media art um like you know rely on that r- yeah hopefully not although but we're not ignorant that you can't no. you can't be without it yeah so so the fact that we only have like x amount of followers I don't it, like we we haven't played that much outside of Ottawa anyway right. anyway yeah. so it doesn't matter we have yet to have a yeah. Twitter account or a Snapchat <laughs> is Snapchat big too I guess it, yeah. it, I mean, if you need to send out a yeah. large amount of dicks to your audience, I yeah, think Snapchat is, is great for that. <laughs> but it does bring up an interesting question. You said, uh, you talked about the focus of this band. What is it for a band with such seasoned veterans of music? I mean, you guys could go join up with any one of your projects and take that to the nth degree that you wanted to. What is, what is Telecomo to you guys? Telecomo? Telecomo. Telecomo. <laughs> Telecomo. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I like that. Just to write many, many albums and to tour as much as possible and hopefully to, you know, make a bunch of friends, tour with a bunch of friends, invite a bunch of becoming at a certain 
point where we can invite a bunch of friends. I don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. This. I. For for me, this band was set up to play live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. And and for the. That comes we, back to the point where we can just. We can essentially. Well, well, not essentially. We want to just be like anywhere and be like, "Oh, you three guys are in a band. Can you play right now?" I have like. You know, I don't have any pedal. I have an amp, a little amp, <laughs> two little amps, and like a snare. Can you guys play? And we can be like, yeah, we can play. Yeah, like yeah. Th- this was a setup, definitely uh, for the live experience. Like, uh, I think that's a reaction to um, the fact that that's the only way you can make money. You know, you know what? It's true that it's like one of the only ways you can make money. So I really wanted to focus on it. So then, what makes a good show? And that will inform the lyrics we write the chord progressions we use and the rhythms we use mm-hmm. we've played for so long i i know what beats i i know what beats or rhythms will will make people move you know uh i remember one time i think okay so it was i i was playing with stalker at the time uh and then it was it was it was stalker and then it was uh silken and DJ? then it was, and then it was yeah djing yeah. and then it was uh Ah, uh, what's his name? Caden Slappin. Yeah. yeah. And I could see, I was just behind my laptop doing the thing, and, you know, Dylan was rapping. And I could see, okay, at 128 BPM, people get into it. At 130, yeah. Yeah. Ottawa can sort of keep up. That's right. At that's 135, right. people go get drinks. Like, they yeah, can't yeah, do yeah. that. You got to bring it back down to 120 yeah. or something yeah. like that. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, there's all these things that you can pick up in, in the audience and, like, how chance go now like we haven't we've only played so many shows so we're we don't we don't really know outside of ottawa how this project's gonna fold out we're excited yeah but it was set up live three people is a really easy way to tour and that that fills the whole frequency range you know so like the duos can tour very easily but then uh, they have to do a lot of work to fill up that frequency yeah. range, right? Yeah, there's a lot of famous duos that that do it really well, but they're you, you know they've got a good rig, you know they got to use a good rig to to fill that out, right? So, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, yeah, the goal of Telecomo. The goal, the goal, yeah, of the goal of Telecomo <laughs> is to is to play live and for, uh, and for people to experience. A good show, yeah. To, to take something away, I, I I think you know there's like all music that has ever been thought of is on the internet, going back to like ancient Greek music that has been reinterpreted, and um, I personally, even though I even though I still uh, stream music daily, uh, download stuff daily, I'm so desensitized <laughs> from listening to music in my apartment or on my headphones. So I might not buy a whole bunch of music. I'd rather, like, if you look at the money of how much money I, I personally spend going to shows and how much I buy, I go to more shows. Because mm-hmm. that's when I feel, mm-hmm. that's when I feel music. Yeah. Now, the thing is, in this day and age, you need to put out physical copies in order to make that live show happen. Because those physical copies help your gas. <laughs> to get to the next city, right? Like, so you can't be, you can't do one without the other. Yeah. I want people to relate to us, like hearing us for the first time, but I want people that they relate to us enough to actually come out to a live show to relate to us even more once they see us live and see that we, we really mean what we're doing live. Like mm-hmm. we're not just, we don't just write these songs and you come see us and we're just like, Hey, here's our songs. We're just playing them. Here you go. The songs yep. about a bike. The songs about 
Like, yeah, like, yeah, like when we're done our sets, like we're we're sweat we're like we're sweating, and we want the crowd to sweat and to enjoy every second of it as much as we are. I try on all the tunes. All the tunes we we I don't we didn't really talk about this earlier, but the tunes all have like at least like a double meaning behind them, and that plays into what we were talking about earlier about accessibility. Like summer of '69. Tell me about this. I, don't <laughs> really, really, really. I, mean, I can guess, but oh yes, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. yes, totally. Yeah, no, no, like, and that, and that's a really good way for to ensure, like, if if a tune's got at least a double, tr- I don't know how someone can pull off a triple meeting. Come on, right? That's well, like, uh, it's a Radiohead thing where actually none of them actually mean anything. That's right, and that's, so it's a, Tommy York mumbling. So it's an octatonic. It's an <laughs> it's an octatonic meaning. <laughs> <laughs> But but if you can but if you can if you can pull off like a double a double meaning on a tune it just ensures that more people can find themselves in it yeah I think after after playing um, live shows after a while you, what you realize is like what one of the funnest things about shows is like after the show or even before the show the show's a lot of fun but it, it's actually like like talking with the people and mm-hmm. uh, like your friends that have come out and like. Now, yeah. this brings up something interesting uh, that I think you guys might be uh, good to talk about because I find it ridiculous how some publications will review live shows. Mm. And it is mm. sort of a very subjective interpretation yeah. of um, something that went on. When you guys are writing, when you guys are performing, is any of that... And this is something that I find fascinating with, like, like I, I talked to, you know... Anybody who gets sort of reviewed on a, on a yeah. bigger scale, and you guys are, you know, you're about to be on that same sort of, like, platform. Do you guys write, do you guys perform for that critical eye? I don't, I personally can't, I don't think about that. No. no. I, I, I can't think about it. And, but, you know what, I also, like, I have a different uh, opinion on the role of of that type of criticism, and I'll I'll reserve it because there's probably you know, it's a podcast and like and we go, I'll, I'll reserve it. It's not like it's a negative thing or a positive thing, but it's just like a different angle on it. And um, we got reviewed on our second show, which we were flattered by. Yeah. But a part of me wanted to be like, I you know I'd lo- I'd love to re- invite you and come back and review our show maybe in a few more months. Mm-hmm. We don't had only been played in twice. Yeah. Uh, I felt personally a little because when you put a record out, you are like you're submitting it to the world. And, yeah, that is a statement. It's no longer yours. It's mm-hmm. everybody's. Yeah. And because of the internet, you're giving it to the world. Mm-hmm. Now, when you play a local show, that's a local show. You're playing it for your community and for whoever's rolling through. It's the same thing with comedians. A lot of them like mm-hmm. don't want to do sets these days because, and it's something material that they might be working on. Yeah, workshopping. It, it's crazy for me that like. There's so much of somebody sort of going up on stage and maybe like, you know, someone just broke up with them or they're just getting over a cold or yeah. something like that. And then, you know, exclaim and say, OK, this person in this night was this level of good. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It is. I, I personally I personally find it really, really crazy. Like yeah. uh, we we yeah. we knew that <laughs> we heard that, through the grapevine that, that we were getting rev- that show. Was getting yeah. Reviewed. And like I thought about it definitely before we played, but. I don't want it to sound cheesy, but as soon as I sat behind the kit and we were about to play and I looked at Adam and Gary, it's just like, it, I, 
I totally forgot about it because there's this Likewise, like we're yeah. about to play. I'm about to play with these two. Like, well, how much would that knowledge friend. change? What you're about to do? That's crazy. I know. You can't I know, do yeah, anything yeah. about it. Why review the album and then the like? Yeah. Am I going to take yeah. my pants off on stage <laughs> yeah, to make yeah. it a nine out of ten? And if you did, Stone like, no. Hall Sessions exclusive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's and and it was a thing like we heard through the great yeah like we heard through the grapevine that. You can't not be flattered for that, but but professionally we want to and artistically we want to write. I really want to write to this person and be like, "Can you just hold off a couple? Yeah, of yeah. Let us find our groove live because for the last six months we've only played in front of ourselves, rehearsing everything we're about to do. I could have totally done like fucking stick twirls in between every <laughs> Well, then, well, it brings. It was the drummer was dazzling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and that, you know, that, that's an excellent joke. Cause like, what, like, what are you truly critiquing? Cause yeah, it's yeah, different. Totally. It's yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. Every um, every night, also the positioning of where you are, and it was a like this was a also a local DIY show at a bookstore that's unlic unlicensed, <laughs> uh, and and we brought our own uh, PA system, so the experience is going to be totally different than like if you go to a bar, right? So. Yeah. Okay, let's turn this around a little bit and talk about uh, how did you guys make sure that you were getting reviewed uh, when you sent out the EP? Was that something that you guys we're put still, a lot of We're still working on that. Okay. That that that's um because I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't really put a lot of thought into yeah. like sort of that yeah. is a ton of what it takes we, to be a band these yeah, days. Yeah, okay, so everything now. we've gotten has just been through it just has floated through the grapevine, mm -hmm. which is uh we're really happy about cuz that's like the laziest way to do it. Mm -hmm. right. Uh, but it's not the smartest way to do it. Yeah. And our, I think our, like, rationale for it is as soon as, like, we had our we had our tape release, the next day we went and recorded our full record. And we were busy with that for a long time. <laughs> and so... So you guys, you did that, and then you left, and then you came back to any we, criticisms that you might have felt about the about the EP? Like, well, well, no, it didn't change. It, well, like, like we, it was just that, like, we put out the record, or we put out the EP, and... I guess traditionally for that next following month mm -hmm. should have been the time when we were like throwing it out to people be like can you review this can you check this do you yeah. like this uh, can you play this yeah but now we're doing we did, now we're doing it now but we're we didn't, doing that yeah, yeah but we didn't do it but we didn't do them because we went immediately and recorded a record which took uh, a good portion of our like time yeah so so that so we're we're still working on that we don't really know how that's gonna go though so, mm. <laughs> you can't tell. So no one really seems to know how to approach artists about this. So if there is anything very pertinent, anything that you guys want to say as veteran musicians, as people who are in sort of a wide range of different band, bands yeah. that will be in, like sort of reviewed on very different principles all the time, like that's got to yeah. be stressful. Is there anything you have to let go of it at some point? Yeah. Or mm -hmm. Like it's just going to end you. And I've seen it happen to my friends. It just ends them and... It ends them in, in their artistic, like, output, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they get, there's just discouragement and, I don't know, you kind of, like, that's the beauty of having, like, an aggressive uh, kind of punk mentality, even if it's adopted, that you adopt this, like, aggressive punk mentality of fuck you middle finger. It, it really does, it can really go a long way in, like, sort of navigating yourself through criticism, uh, and knowing that it is just one person's opinion, and it often comes from a narcissistic point of view. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. Sorry, I'm not saying that like, there's no there's no uh, purpose for criticism at all. Like you know, think about it. 
back in the day, if, um, not everybody had record players, and the people who had record players had uh, small record collections because records cost a lot of money. So what you do is you'd read the paper, mm-hmm. and you would someone who's trusted, you'd read their review, and like, okay, I'm gonna spend like a good portion of my week's pay on this record. Yeah, because it was recommended. That makes a lot of sense. In the same way, you know, there are other things like um, theater lends itself to that, and and in a, in a way, film, although that's slowly losing its way too, because you can just stream it everywhere. Right. But with YouTube and just like the how accessible music is right now, people need to like really question themselves. Like, what is the value uh, of a finding of someone got above seven? You know, uh, in order before you yourself make your own decision, like just make your own decision. Yeah. You know, that's one thing about reviews is like, oh, that number value is such Mm -hmm. a terrible thing. I think I like I love reading reviews where there's no like A to like or one to ten or like Mm -hmm. you get your A or your C or your D or whatever. You just like. You just read the review and read what this person thinks and stuff. Like, I'm sure there's a bunch of I know, but he, that's what because, I, I mean. I want that. I yeah, love like. It's... There's. I've been like. I've. I'm guilty of like being like. Oh, a two. <laughs> Do I want to read this even? Like I went onto a mobile site the other day, like a mobile version of a site because I was on my iPad, and the, the I didn't realize that the site did it on its regular version, but in the mobile version, it'll tell you how long it will take each thing to read. Oh wow! And then if it's a review, it'll just give you the grade immediately. Wow! Like that's crazy. It like crazy. if if something needs like more than two and a half or three minutes, which was like the average time of each article, yeah. I guess people aren't clicking on that anymore. Yeah. Like that's nuts. Like people don't even have times for criticism anymore. Yeah. I um. This, I mean, just to interrupt, yeah. I have read those two, <laughs> a two grade review only because I'm. Curious I'm curious. So, yeah, yeah, it's like, why is this so bad? Like, what is this mm, review? Yeah. Why would this reviewer give this a two? And a lot of the times, like, it's not a very good review. Yeah. It's not a very well written review. And I'm just like, oh well. Yeah. No. No. Like, uh, so I was, I was, I was making jokes earlier. There is a place. There, there can be a place for criticism. Like, mm-hmm. music and art just doesn't enter a vacuum. Like, there's discussion that comes around, and, and critics have to make that discussion happen most often. But, uh, you know what? The, the, I, I personally think the truth of it is there are mediums that are more appropriate for it than others. We're, and we were just saying that online and on, on your phone, mm-hmm. two minutes for a review. Like, so two minutes is the average like, article read. That's not enough to like, truly write about uh, a performance or, or, oh, or yeah. a record you see, right? Now, somewhere where I do read the reviews and I read a lot of reviews are in Wire, the magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wire. They don't give any number signs, mm-hmm. and if it sucks, they'll, like they'll tell you why, like yeah. what what happened on the record that like why it just took a you know a wrong turn, or they'll write about it. But you don't know that until you've actually written it, or mm-hmm. sorry, until you've actually read, read it. it. Yeah. Um, but because you bought that paper for nine bucks or whatever it is, uh, some of us did. Sorry, yeah, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna yes, <laughs> you're gonna actually invest the time because you spent the money in actually mm-hmm. reading those. In that situation, I think criticism uh, has a lot of um, merit to it, especially for artists looking to create something new, like we're yeah. talking about with this project, creating something new. You know, I would be uh, ignorant to say that from that the, uh, like this just came out of a vacuum clearly just from like reading wire articles or something or yeah. any other 
um, paper of criticism that I admire that it, like sort of formed my sensibilities for sure. I'll say I, I've gotten some. I've been part of some negative reviews, but I just always like. I'm thinking of one in particular. I won't say what show or what band, but uh, I had so much fun playing that show where I read the review and yeah, I was more or less like disappointed with the review, but I kind of just thought, you know what? That was so much fun though. And I thought, I thought we played the shows great. And I, that kind of like the review to me seemed not ridiculous because whatever they're entitled to their opinion or whatever, but I was just, it didn't affect me the way it didn't bum me out the way it might have affected other whoever would have read it. I thought we played great. I thought I played great and everyone played great with me and I played great with every, everyone else in the band and people seemed to enjoy it. And I think for me, maybe I was lucky that way. Maybe it affects people in such a negative way. But for me, I was just like, I was thinking, sorry to I'm dragging on, but no, thinking no. back on the show though, I was just like, that was so much fun. Like, not screw that guy, but like screw that particular review in the sense where I'm not going to let that affect me and how I think about that show. Cause that was a lot of, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. And well, it's, it's been that way for some, like I've had more than one played more than one shows where the review has been mediocre. I'm just like, eh, I had, that was such a great show for me. Yeah. F it. Fuck it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, they need like, you can meet the, like, if you have the opportunity, you can meet the reviewer or something, or you'd be like, oh, that was the guy who... Okay. Yeah. And then it, it puts it into different spectrum. Not not that that's a negative positive thing, but just humanizing the person behind that pen. Yeah. Just humanizing the, you know, that, that person, like, uh, it changes. Um, you're uh, just receiving yeah. the review. I've, I've been pretty lucky, I think, so far in my life. There's been some projects, yeah, there's that have been in that someone really, you know, fucking took a hit at that <laughs> at that thing, but uh like you're still here. I think I think it's just a shame that if someone receives a negative review that they stop. Yeah. And I'm just uh like I'm crossing my fingers cuz this band has been so far lucky with uh criticism, but I'm not that's not to say that like you know, I just jinxed it right now. So we're going to get a negative <laughs> review at some point. And, uh, but I, I, you know, I'm, I'd like to say that if that were to come, I would, I wouldn't stop writing this music because of that for sure. Yeah. Like in my mind, I'm already rating this interview like (laughs) one or two out of 10. Not their best work, not their best talking. Could have spoken better. Um, okay. So there is one question that we ask everybody at the end of this interview and it is, uh, in its own way, sort of a way to separate the wheat from the chaff, sort of like the real artists, the people who have come on this planet to sort of say something that only they could speak uh, from the people who are just trying to emulate others, trying to do whatever it is seems to be in vogue. And there is one scientifically proven by way of BuzzFeed way of doing that. And that is asking someone, uh, which former frontman of Genesis do you prefer? Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, all encompassing of their solo careers and their time with Genesis. Oh, fuck. Shit. <laughs> That's a tough... I'm going to... You know what? I'm going to say Phil Collins. Fucking drummers, man. He's a great drummer. <laughs> I play drums. Phil Collins. And I'll say Peter Gabriel. Peter Gabriel started off his career as a drummer as well. So Really? Yeah. 
Are you serious? Oh, uh, yeah. Where can I... Right. Well. <laughs> I'll see Peter Gable. You know what? Phil Collins. Like, do you see those? Uh, do you see those photos that are circulating around? Like, how stylish Phil Collins was back in the day. Oh, like Remember hipster that? Phil Collins. Yeah, yeah. Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, look good. Yeah. Uh, I think. I, I think I would personally relate more with uh, Peter Gabriel. I. I mean, Peter just, Gabriel's like just solo just, albums. Yeah. And. Like, well, because you said to, to consider the solo work that came afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, the other side of that is sort of, uh, you know, like Phil Collins was the best-selling artist of the 80s. Essentially, yeah. by yeah. putting this on, like, yeah. like just this cutout on, you know like, every single one of his albums. How sincere and direct can you get? Yeah, that's true. With them putting your whole face on record. What, are you signing with Phil Collins now? No, I just understand okay. your, your choice. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm saying I don't know if I thought through my uh, my. Is it in the air tonight that that drum fill like dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun, and that's yeah, yeah. his that's his song, right? And it his is, drum it work. Is. So, but here's the thing about the gated snare. It oh, was created. <laughs> it was created. It's not terrible, but <laughs> in the studio with Peter Gabriel for one of his albums. Mm. Session drummer though, Phil Collins. Yes. It's like, like they're so. Like we're always coming back to Phil Collins here. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, okay. We're, we're, we're both. It, it, it's always entertaining. We've had a lot of younger people on this podcast, and sort of their only touchstones with these two people uh, would be sort of um, In the Air Tonight, the Tarzan soundtrack, and maybe, maybe if I'm lucky, they've heard of like sledgehammer yeah. and so like they're making their decision on yeah on those three three things and they're like well no i like tarzan and it's like mm. well peter gabriel won uh, like an oscar for uh wally soundtrack just yeah. like the last song at the end so maybe oh, and they're peter like gabriel has so many hits too though but not like they're i mean they're they're they, they are uh art rock yeah. songs they're they're not the catchiest things. Well, actually, they are. Mercy Street is like the greatest song ever written. So, is, is there a, is there a right answer to this question? Well, I mean, the way that I sort of set it up is that if you don't uh, if you don't answer Peter Gabriel, you're not an artist. Oh. I mean, that's <laughs> because because if you answer Phil Collins the way that I, you know the wheat from the shaft, the, like the real artist, blah blah blah, it's 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 always biasing people towards Peter Gabriel. But yeah. the amount of people who answer See, this, this goes towards more and more like the drummer jokes then. <laughs> here's the thing with peter with with peter gabriel and why i chose him because like uh try and take a phil collins tune and make the shining look like a a rom-com right whereas <laughs> <laughs> <Bro>, you can <laughs> do you, you remember you remember the super cut of the shining have you seen have you seen this no Oh my god, so someone, like, this was, like, from, like, a long time ago. Do you remember it? Have you seen this? No. Okay, someone took, okay, this is what I was referencing. That's why that kind of fell flat. So, I think it must have been, like, ten years ago, someone took all these images from Shining, Stanley Kubrick's Shining. Yeah. And super cut it to make it look like a sort of, uh, like, like a, a real cut trailer? A feel, yeah, it's a real cut trailer of, like, a feel-good movie. 
of like (laughs) (laughs) and if you cut it right all the images play out like a like a Pixar film yeah right and of course Peter Gabriel's music is the one (laughs) (laughs) oh this summer coming to like Tristar Pictures (laughs) Shining Climbing up the nostalgia hill. <laughs> <laughs> I can see this. <laughs> <laughs>